0: Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is brought to you by my course. I know, very self-indulgent. It's the How to Get Started Being Freelance course. So if you are looking to find out how to get started being freelance, I imagine it will be for you. You can find out all the details at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for commercial artist and
1: illustrator Murugaya. A lot of the things that I've done in the last nine years have led me to realize that I don't want to do them again. (laughs) Generally. When the pandemic started, I just started making personal projects with all of that in mind. One after another, maybe once a week, twice a week, I was just repeatedly putting out new pieces of work. And I started to get a lot of traction for it and jobs coming through from it. The dream client list is, is much Bigger and wider, and like far, far from what I'm currently capable of, I think. But it's it's there for a reason. It's called a dream list for a reason,
0: I guess. Yeah, so there is Murugai, Sham Murugai, who is a commercial artist currently based in London. And man, his work will cheer up your day. You know, all of our guests are listed at beingfreelance.com. Uh, I don't mention this enough, but if you go to beingfreelance.com, each episode has its own page and on there like we tell a bit more of their story we pull out all the quotes there's a transcript if that's of use to you you can read that as well uh, there's links through to so you can find the guests on their social media but also their website and I urge you to check out Muriel Guy's work. It just brightens up uh, this uh, start to 2021. So, yes, all of that at beingfreelance.com. Also on there, links through to come join the community because I hope you realise you're not alone being freelance. There's thousands of us hanging out in there every day and it would be great to see you in there too. And if you are a freelance parent, the other podcast I do is back. Now, after the Christmas break, it's called Doing It for the Kids. So please come and join us for that as well. It's me and Frankie from the Doing It for the Kids community it's only about 20 minutes long it's much shorter it's like a q a kind of like an agony aunt and uncle kind of style one we um we won the bronze award at the british podcast awards last year for it best business podcast so you know some people might even accuse us of being useful come come listen to that as well it's called doing it for the kids right now though let's chat to this week's guest and that is freelance commercial artist and illustrator sean murugaya hey Sham hi how's it going Nice to be here. I am good. I should really say, hey, Murugaya, because that's the name you go by, isn't it? As in you go, your, your artist name is your surname.
1: It is, yeah. Some of my, um, some of the people I look up to uh, often go by a single name. So it's something I wanted to, to put out in the world. You know, people like Prince, Madonna mobius he's an illustrator i named my cat after <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of things and i i just wanted a memorable one word kind of title so that's what i went for
0: it's awesome okay as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance
1: my gosh i've had a long treacherous journey to becoming a freelance commercial artist <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to begin? Because I I started at school. I wanted to be an artist. That was, uh, that was my thing. I was 18 and I was good at art and I I asked my parents, my strict Asian parents, um, I want to be an artist and, uh, being the great parents that they are, they said no. (laughs) They said, um, that I should do something with a bit more structure that's connected to art and the creative industry, but, um, something that I can have a nine to five in and, and have a day job in, so we uh, we collectively decided on architecture. Oh, right. And I trained as an architect for seven long years at university. <laughs> um, yeah, it was tough. I worked as an architect for a year in industry between, you know, in between that seven-year course, and then six months after my seven-year training as a fully qualified architect and after six months i realized that i did not want to do that job as a career <laughs> oh my um, god yeah <laughs> it was really tough it was quite it was quite bad actually because i was starting to like lose my hair from stress uh, after after that six months um of being in the industry and i was like and this is when my parents came around again because they were like very supportive. They were like, look, if it's causing you that much stress, like do the thing that you really want to do and that, and, and at least now you have this foundation in a creative course and, and, cause architecture is a very broad foundation of creativity. So I was thankful that I did it. But, um, yeah, I think 2012 was when I finished my six months in architecture and, and, um, I went freelance and I did do, I did end up working for a couple of other people in the creative industries, but, um, we can get on to that a bit later.
0: So how did you make the transition from architecture to, you know, well, you, you know, you were like, oh, I, you know, I went freelance. Like, it's that easy. Like, how <laughs> did you make that? How, yeah, how did you make right. that happen? It definitely
1: wasn't that easy. I, I guess nearing the end of my architecture course, my, my diploma, I was starting to get those feelings of like, this isn't the right thing. And, um, at that point I was slowly saving up a lot of money so that I could, you know, I think in the back of my mind, I knew that I, I wanted to be a freelance artist. So I wanted to save up some money and then also start making some personal projects on the side. And this was near the end of my architecture diploma. So I still ended up doing six months of architecture work, you know, after that as a professional, but, I knew deep down that I wanted to do something else. So it's all it was always a really good thing to save some money and, and to have some foundation for eventually kind of transitioning into a unstable or unsteady kind of freelance beginning.
0: And how about how you actually found the clients, the people who could make that a business rather than, you know, something that you fancied doing?
1: Yeah, I suppose that was that was quite difficult uh, in the beginning. Um Actually, today I just posted a tweet that said, even though the world is bad right now, just on a personal note, 2021 is the first year in which I'm feeling comfortable and confident about my work building on from the previous year. And I started in 2012. (laughs) So I think... It's taken this long to get to a point where I fully feel comfortable about the work I'm making and and I'm I'm actually building on the thing I did last year. But in terms of those initial clients in 2012, I'm just actually looking through my project folders. I have one project in 2012 (laughs) and then I have multiple in 2013. But the first project I did was for a friend. Um, he He worked at a jazz cafe, in West London and wanted a flyer done. So it was very different. You know, it was, it was I had no idea what I was doing really, but it was a paying job. So I took it and um, I think things built on from there. there was that It was people I knew. And I, I was also slowly doing these personal projects, which I was putting out online. And I was getting a few bits of work, you know, quite low paying jobs because I didn't know any better, but I was getting bits and bobs from, from various people coming in asking for book covers and kind of editorial illustrations and things at that time
0: and what were those those personal projects how did they help
1: well I was really I'm still am I'm, I'm, I'm super interested in film poster design and, and um, anything to do with movies really um, so I was making these alternative film posters um, and I, I also ended up doing quentin tarantino screenplays as book covers which was one thing that got the attention from um i later found out penguin books had it in their had the image in their office for a long time which is quite fun but um, those kind of fun projects you know it was it was really about like exploring things that i liked and uh, rather than uh, a, a style per se it was just like what kind of things am i into and um uh, around the same time, I'd also joined a uh, an artist collective in uh, based in America, but had artists across around the world. And they also made alternative film posters as well. So it was clients that saw those alternative film posters and, you know, hired me for projects that were adjacent to those kind of things like book covers and um, editorials and things like that.
0: And would you be reaching out to anyone or was it literally like posting to certain sites or?
1: Yeah, there was one company I actually, I think I saw a review of a book in The Guardian from a book publisher called Old Castle Books. And I checked out their website and they were a relatively small publishing company. So I, I figured I should just call them up and say, hey, I've, I've just done these Quentin Tarantino screenplays as book covers and I wanted to know what you thought about them. And And I was very lucky that they, liked the style and they said they had a series in mind for an author that they wanted a similar style of you know this the way I had done that the screenplay covers yeah that that company they were really lovely because I met with the with the publisher in person and um, we talked about film and stuff and it was really cool and it was still I mean the jobs were relatively low paying because it was a small publishing house but it was cool to know that there were people out there that like appreciated the work I was making and was willing enough to to get in touch with me and uh, get back in touch with, with me and you know talk about projects and stuff so that was cool
0: yeah i mean you just said that like it was only this year that you started to feel <laughs> like confident despite nearly 10 years of doing it so
1: how oh gosh i didn't realize it was 10 years but yeah you're right
0: <laughs> well, it's a hefty amount of time were were you making enough to make ends meet or did you go back into any part-time jobs or back into architecture like were you okay from 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 the off financially?
1: Yeah, I think what I meant by the tweet earlier was that creatively I am finally in a place where I feel comfortable in terms of the actual work I was making. Um financially at the moment also comfortable in in being a freelancer and that's and knowing where that's going. Um, or not, because that's the freelancer life, I think, a little bit. But back in 2012 to, I think, 2017, I wa- it was unstable. I was doing a few freelance jobs. Some of them were things that I liked, and some of them were things that were almost work for hire, that were completely in different styles, and I was a bit uncomfortable with. So during that time, I ended up working for a greeting card company for a year called Scribbler Cards. And then the following year, I ended up working for Leon Restaurants as the graphic designer. So I really, I took on two years worth of experience at two different companies to really get a sense of what it was like to work for other people in graphic design and illustration because I'd only previously worked in architecture. So I needed those years to basically tell me that I wanted to be a freelancer again. <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
0: but it wasn't just... The fact that you had a regular paycheck coming in from those two companies, it was more than mm-hmm.
1: that? Yeah, it was It was understanding what a lot of the things that I've done in the last nine years have led me to realise that I don't want to do them again, <laughs> generally. But, you know, I worked for a greeting card company, which it didn't kind of like fulfil me creatively, that was what was going on in that industry. And then when I joined a Leon Restaurants as a graphic designer, I was doing pure graphic design so it was a lot of typesetting and kind of dry kind of label making and things like that and again that steered me away from wanting to do something like that and by the end of that second year of employment I was a bit like I have more to say you know from a personal point of view and I have and I even told my director at Leon this and and she was like I was wondering when you'd say this because you know, I sense that in you, and I—I I think it's the right thing decision you're making. So it was full support from the people I worked with, and and I had great experiences working there. But from a creative point of view, I knew I wanted to say more and do more.
0: And so the whole time, for example, that you were working those those companies, you were freelancing on the side.
1: Yeah, evenings and weekends, I was freelancing, and I was I was doing these alternative film posters and and editorials that were similar had a similar style. As part of this art collective, we even got an officially licensed gallery show in Marseille, a Star Wars one as well. So, you know, I I was doing some fun jobs and I did a mural for um, a restaurant as well. Um, That was just on the cusp of of leaving my second kind of job um, and finally deciding I could do this full time being a freelancer. So I did end up getting some fun jobs here and there. But nothing on that consistent level that I see so much of in on social media with other artists and illustrators. So,
0: how have you got on with dealing with clients over the over the years?
1: Oh, it was a very big it's a big learning curve of um, you know taking on projects and realizing that I'm not the right person for them or like. Um, I don't know, undercharging, overcharging, not really knowing how to converse in a professional manner with clients. It's, I'm so glad I've had these nine years worth of training to do all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> but I've been lucky enough to have clients and friends who I've been able to work with who are supportive. And I think just understanding that, you know, of, of the stage uh, at which I was at, I think. I think that one of the best things to do is to kind of be open and honest when you can be about your skill set and your kind of understanding of of work.
0: So what do you find works for you in that respect now? Like if you sit there and think, okay, yeah, I made all of those little mistakes, but now I'm in a place that works.
1: I think um, when the pandemic started in 2020, last year, I had a particular style of work which um was very textured and very grainy and um the subject matter was always the same it was always I was always interested in surrealist kind of dreamlike ethereal type imagery but my style was this kind of gritty grittiness and it, it didn't feel comfortable with me didn't sit well with me and, and as the when the pandemic hit we just had lots and lots of time on our hands as professionals creative professionals so I had a phone call with a friend who, uh, another illustrator who I trust very much. We, we speak at least once a week, uh, talking about how we're progressing and what our work is looking like. And I told him that I wanted to make a change and he reminded me of, of work I made in the past nine years that he really liked. And he said that he really liked my composition and my, my color, my use of color. And I said, I love those things too, but what I really want to start introducing is a sense of my own cultural background and upbringing and um you know i'm i'm my parents are from sri lanka but i was born in the uk and raised in the uk so there's this great kind of um mix of of uh, upbringings and cultures that cross one another and and i thought to myself and i asked him i was like maybe i should start combining that those compositions and bright colors with all of that stuff that i just mentioned and he said that sounded like a great idea, and it was something that felt unique to me very specifically. And when the pandemic started, I just started making personal projects with all of that in mind. One after another, maybe once a week, two twice a week, I was just repeatedly putting out new pieces of work. And I started to get a lot of traction for it and jobs coming through from it. So that's that was really when I started to feel and comfortable. And now that I I've been doing that from March of last year till now. I think I've got a good foundation now to kind of build on, basically. And that's why I say I feel comfortable uh, with how things are going. Yeah.
0: So when you say you were creating those projects and putting them out, putting them out on where? On on Instagram? On...
1: Yeah, I was putting them out on Instagram and Twitter. I actually um, had closed my accounts for other portfolio websites I had my own website and then my Instagram my Twitter and I thought to myself I can't really handle uploading all of the onto all of these other portfolio sites at the moment because I just needed a sense of kind of control and you know I want to be happy with what I'm putting out there and in terms of the um, amount of time I'm spending being an admin person so I thought I could handle my Twitter my Instagram and my website and i was putting the images out on there basically and they were being shared by friends by other illustrators who i'd never met it was it was a really nice feeling to kind of to get that support and to kind of see Mm. people really engaging with the work and stuff yeah it was really cool
0: now when I look at your website and you list like some of the clients you've worked with there's obviously some some really big names in there. How have you sort of gone from designing a flyer at a jazz cafe <laughs> to working with some of the biggest companies in the world?
1: Well, I think a lot of the a lot of the companies I mention on the website are companies I've worked with and sometimes the projects haven't ended up coming to pass, Penguin being one of them. It was a ju- set of book covers I did for them, which never ended up, you know, being released. And some of the other companies I've worked for were in previous styles of mine. But again, all of these companies, it's nine years worth of work. And maybe one of those, maybe I did one of those companies or worked with one of those companies every couple of years. It wasn't it sounds more impressive when it's put on a list on a website right? compared to the hey that's that's what those impressive lists on
0: websites (laughs) are
1: for (laughs) i know but sometimes it's important to kind of let younger followers and listeners know that this process is long and um, it takes a lot of time and commitment to kind of uh, put to it basically
0: but it must have felt amazing when you came to work with some of those companies how did they come about
1: yeah, I mean, it feels so good when a company like that kind of um, drops in your inbox or, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be represented by a couple of agents in, in that time as well. And some of the jobs came through those agents. And, um, yeah, the, the feeling is great. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's, I'm more interested in the work that gets made out of it and what eventually it you know, what tangible thing uh, comes out of the project and, and sometimes when you're not allowed to share the work or, or when the project fails, it, it, it doesn't really feel like something that, that's, that's that fun, you know. So a, a, a big part of, um, of this last couple of years was to be more in control of the work I was putting out there myself in terms of personal work, which, you know, I can release a small print run and, and be super proud of it because it's something I've put the commitment in and, and, and have people buy it and stuff. So it, it's cool. But yeah, working with those companies is great. I, I just, uh, I, I want to work with more of them soon. <laughs> now that I have this style that I, I fully am comfortable in working in. And yeah. They're on their way. We've got some, we've got some nice projects coming up, which is really cool, which I'm, I'm currently working on. So that's good.
0: So do you have an agent now?
1: I don't actually know. I, um, I recently uh, parted ways with my agent as of last year, um, mainly due to the fact that I was interested in being a bit more in control of um, my contracts and understanding contracts as well. Like, I, I didn't like the idea of leaving con- contractual negotiations up to somebody else. I wanted to learn and understand it a bit more. And um, they even told me that they were a growing agency and and I I shouldn't really expect too many jobs to come in in the first few years. And I was a bit like, okay, that's going to be a bit tough because I, the type of person that like, I don't know, I work very fast and, you know, Evidence of which, you know, I spent six months making personal work and then gained like three or four really cool clients in that time very quickly. So I, I'm someone that kind of, someone would say impatient, <laughs> um, but I would say, uh, yeah, that too, but also driven. I just wanted things to be, move a little faster. I think it's because I did architecture for such a long time and I feel like I've spent so many years doing something else and I'm playing catch up a little bit with all these uh, fantastic artists and illustrators out there. I know that's a bit silly.
0: <laughs> but equally, you know how long it takes to build a building.
1: Yeah, one of the main reasons I left that, that industry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it takes time. Foundations are laid. Gradually it builds.
1: I realise that cultivating patience is my biggest, I don't know, it's the thing that I need to do the most. It's if If I have a... Dream client list or a dream personal goal list on the top of that list is to cultivate patience and understand that things take time
0: mm. now you've done a few things with Adobe though right I have yeah yeah what what, what
1: really have you time.
0: what have you done with them and how did they come about uh, okay there's three questions because then I can sit back and have a cup of tea. what have you done with them how did <laughs> it come about but also like like what impact did it have
1: yeah so um i've done two videos with them they came about because adobe worked with a production company and adobe wanted uh, the next in their adobe create series where they follow uh, a creative around their local area and kind of learn and understand a bit about what they do and, and their type of work And one of the members of the production company happened to follow me on Instagram and suggested me for this video. And and that's when I got called by the members of the production company to, to collaborate. And we made this Adobe create video and it was super fun. It was in my old, it was in a slightly older style, but it was really good to kind of, it was the beginnings of where, of, of my influences, you know, talking about my influences and and me as an individual. So I was happy to have it out there in the world. And, Adobe came back uh, last year and um, they asked me to do a little interview with them just talking about the pandemic and what you know the this new style that I was working on and um, it ended up being a, a part of Adobe Max which was really you know quite exciting in terms of um, what has come out of it I think just some awareness of me as an illustrator and um you know, so, some people saying nice things about my work, which is, which is, and some not so nice things, if you read the YouTube comments, but, uh, <laughs> but, <Dumb. laughs> um, yeah, no, I know. I, I, that was a hard lesson. Just, just understanding what a troll is and what isn't. But anyway, um, oh, man. yeah, it was it, in terms of what's come out of it. I think they're good ways of getting your name and face and personality out there. And I think that has come back with some, um, some attention from fans and customers and um it's really cool oh
0: that's awesome uh it's always interesting to hear how those things come about you know so it's that you just putting your work out there on onto instagram but you never quite know who's following you and paying attention and where that might lead
1: yeah it was crazy to think that this person who worked at the production company happened to be working with adobe that year and then also happened to to like my work at the same time and and suggest me for it. It it really is a, those kind of things are very, you've got to be quite lucky to get them. And and I think the only way to enhance that luck is to just be very like open on social media and put out a lot of things and uh, of work basically, put out a lot of work.
0: Hmm. What have you found like the biggest challenge or challenges of being freelance for you?
1: The biggest challenge was... Well, I'm still going through it because it's cultivating patience. <laughs> um, but those first few years were really tough because it was really, you know, it was touch and go and, and it was, there was a lot of like issues around discovering, you know, the type of work I wanted to make that didn't look like anybody else's work that felt unique to me. I definitely had a, a, a few long nights kind of, um, wondering, is, is this, is this going to be fruitful at all? Is this ever going to be? And I didn't mean financially. Like I could always, if it, if it failed, I would have gone and got a job somewhere else. But I, I really, I wanted to do this so bad. And I, and I, I think I just, I wanted to establish a style and a set of work that, that I was really proud of. So it was, it was constantly all of that that was running through my head. I guess a short answer to your question is, The little person inside of my brain that was telling me that I couldn't do it, (laughs) it was dealing with that person. That's the biggest challenge, I think.
0: And I'm intrigued about, uh, because you've talked about, you know, doing certain projects that weren't necessarily the style you wanted to go in, developing your own style and so on. Um, Mm -hmm. So how would you then deal with that when sharing your work online, be it like in your online portfolio or in those other portfolios that you've now let go like would you simply not show something
1: no I was iterating in public I definitely was you know learning and putting stuff out there and seeing what I liked and what I disliked some people do it in a a different way some people prefer to iterate in private and they prefer to kind of you know develop this style separately and not show anyone until it's fully polished but I have definitely gone back and deleted many Instagram posts that you know that were filled with work and like screen grabs or like sketches that I didn't you know that, that didn't fit anymore but I definitely made a point of putting it all out there because I was still trying to make money at the end of the day and I was still whatever job that came in that I could take on that would pay Pay my bills. I, I would take, and and it's all built around just making decisions and putting them out there in terms of the work. It's a bit messy, but it eventually does start to iron out, and you start to see the development go into a more cohesive set of work. So yeah, I I, I made mistakes and put them out there. I was happy to. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I- how about the way you work? Do you do you work? I mean, obviously, there's a whole pandemic thing going on. But um, do you work from home or from a, a studio or h- how about you?
1: I've had phases. So I, I work from home at the beginning. I did a couple of years in a studio sharing with some colleagues, but I realised about myself that I'm, I, I get very distracted. I'm either I get distracted or I'm the kind of la- like, most talkative person in the room and distract other people so <laughs> or at least that's what I was feeling anyway they didn't none of them said that I was but I, I felt like I was distracting people but I've realized that. yeah I'm very comfortable at home I'm very productive when there's very little distraction around so right before the pandemic I was I decided to leave that studio and um as the rules of uh, lockdown were happening I was kind of like driving my stuff home so it was it was the right time yeah and I have a little spare room actually our, our old bedroom is now my studio and the tiny spare room is our bedroom so we switched things around a bit and I have quite a big room now with my books and stuff and my flat file with all my artworks in, so that's cool.
0: Oh, my gosh. So you managed to switch... So you say our bedroom. So you you and your partner, you managed to persuade... Yes. ...to demote <laughs> to a small bedroom so that you could have more room for your actual work.
1: Well, she is very supportive, but also um, we have... We were planning on moving house at the same time, but we ended up not doing so because of the pandemic. But part of that new house um, decision was looking through floor plans and, and deciding what rooms were really important in terms of the amount of space you got. Because in London, you don't get a lot of space and you have to decide how much time you spend in each room, and and what what purpose does it serve? And we all we were very close to buying a flat, and it had a very tiny box room, and then one similar to what we've got now, a, a larger bedroom. And we were like, should we put our bed in that tiny box room and create this like storage underneath this bed, and it can the room can just be about sleeping? There's no distractions in there, and that kind of thing, and yeah, that translated back to the flat that we're currently living in. So I was like, oh, well, why don't we just practice now and we'll (laughs) we'll switch the rooms around and I can have a nice studio. (laughs) And it does work if you kind of like, you realize that, you know, you spend most of your day in the living room or in your office and your kitchen and you spend a few hours at night in the bedroom. So it's like, in terms of maximizing the space and the use of space, it's it's very sensible to kind of do it that way. This is where my architecture training does come in, you see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that.
0: And and how do you find like work-life balance? I'm getting a lot
1: better at it at the moment, I think. I'm I used to be terrible. I used to be working crazy hours and evenings and weekends, and but nowadays um, I tend to I've had a bit of a realization that like, as much as I love working and I love work, it's not the only thing that should drive us. And, you know, our relationships and our social interactions and just living a life as as a whole is more important. And um, that has caused me to kind of clock off at 5 <laughs> basically um which is nice because before I didn't really do that and um it's it's good to have that realization i was also having a lot of conversations with my dad during this lockdown period he was going through a retirement and he's a he's a doctor he's a gp and he was kind of confessing that he had spent a little too much time working and not enough time on his Family and social life and friends and stuff and Mm. and, you know it clicked with me a little bit that I was like turning into a version of him in in, in a little bit so I thought to myself right every opportunity I can get that a friend calls I'll be there basically not the greatest thing to realise during a pandemic (laughs) lockdown pandemic but (laughs) (laughs) I know when all this stuff is over I'll be the first one out of this office and you know, spending time with, with loved ones.
0: Now, Shum, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out a lie. What do you have for me?
1: Oh, yeah. So I'm a big fan of the podcast, so I, I did have some um, – I prepared some.
0: You've been working <laughs> on these lies for years, so they better be good.
1: I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my partner, <laughs> Ruth, she helped me with them, and she's a big fan of this type of stuff. So – um. of my body is covered in tattoos. The next one is, I can't eat standing up. And the final one is, I have 100 pairs of shoes. Oh, these are
0: good. (laughs) Okay, Um, 90% tattoos. It's probably easier then to say what isn't tattoos i'm trying to think about photos i've seen of you now um so what 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 isn't tattooed
1: i didn't want to cover my face so that's that's what i left clean basically
0: what is your biggest tattoo
1: well i've got i've got like giant florals like up and down my arms um they're not really the biggest because they're not the biggest part of my body but i would say that those are like the largest one-off pieces and I did another one I designed one that went on the inside of my arm which was like a ramen bowl and um, inside the ramen bowl was a floating flower and then coming out of the flower was a load of foliage and leaves and stuff and that ran along the inside of my arm so yeah it's a big one it's the one that's taken the longest time to kind of get done
0: Oh, I don't know that sounds plausible eat standing up so you can't eat standing up so like a, a buffet is a nightmare for you
1: <laughs> it's I wanted to expand on it a little bit but basically one time I was meeting up with my my partner Ruth uh, at the cinema and um we were both in different parts of town and she's like okay I'll meet you at the cinema just wait for me in the in the um, eating area," and. Um, I was like, okay, cool. I can get a quick snack before we go to the movies. So I, uh, I bought a lovely, like, cho- bit of chocolate cake, and I, I went to sit down, and I had like, I had all my my stuff on, you know, my coat and my bag and stuff, and I took everything off very kind of carefully and and gradually, and like, put the cake out onto a bit of tissue paper, and then just took <laughs> a bite out of it slowly and really chomped and loved it. And little did I know that my girlfriend was standing on the stairs of the cinema watching me the entire time. And she thought it was incredibly cute that I spent so much time and commitment to just prepping the food and really taking full enjoyment out of what I was eating. And she made the joke that I couldn't eat standing up because it was too rushed. It felt too, you know, it it feels too rushed. You're You're not really enjoying your food when you're standing up and running around. So that's why I can't eat standing up. It's not for any other
0: reason (laughs) right no i like that okay okay well that sounds true that's a lovely story you have 100 pairs of shoes now this i'm not so sure about shoes take up a lot of room and therefore 100 pairs of shoes even if you were to have dainty little feet Uh, would take up (laughs) a lot of room and so it feels like, I don't know, it, it feels like th- that spare bedroom that you just moved your bed into
1: would have to be full of shoes. I'll send you a picture after this, but the entire wall is covered in shoe boxes. And I'm a size 13, no, 12 UK, sometimes 13, depending on the shoe, ah. whether the shoe runs too small or not. But yeah, yeah okay. the entire wall is covered in sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite? <laughs> Ooh. I recently bought a pair of Nike Air Jordan 4s, but they're called the Sashiko Pack or the Sashiko Trainers, but they're they're basically, they use traditional Japanese Sashiko stitching and patchwork in denim across, on top of these Air Jordan 4s. And it it inspired me to then want to make a piece of work in a similar style, or at least Making reference to, Shiki, to Shiko stitching. Whoa! One of the biggest kind of like clients I'd love to work with is Nike. I want to design a signature shoe with Nike. So like these shoes are wearable art to me, and I'm very passionate about them. But they also inspire me to kind of make work.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to pick the fact that one of these isn't true, and the fact is is that okay, they all sound true. They all have a lovely story attached, but I'm thinking that perhaps. The easiest one to lie about would be tattoos because maybe, you know, as an artist, obviously you could easily have grabbed out of the air some work you've worked on and pretended you'd had it drawn on you. You know, like the floors, the, the ramen bowl, like that might be true. Or of course you might be totally anti having a tattoo on anywhere of your body and haven't got any, but those are, I, yeah, I'm going, I'm, I'm going with that. I, I don't think you have, 90% of your body covered in tattoos.
1: You are correct. The tattoos are a lie. It's only actually 10% of my body that's covered in tattoos. Just my arms. Nothing else. Oh. Um. So, hang <laughs> on. Is the, is, is the ramen bowl true? Yeah, yeah. The ramen bowl and the floral is true. Uh. I thought when you mentioned, like, what's your biggest tattoo, I had to, like, actually describe something real because otherwise... Yes, might, no around when I was telling the truth you know telling a lie I should have said less percentage maybe that would have been more plausible (laughs) damn it um right
0: now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be
1: I think I would say that you'll get there I think you'll get there like it's, it's gonna happen sooner than you think you know just just messages of reassurance I think it's something that um, I was looking for at the time and it's something that I wasn't able to give myself, which I am now. Um, you know, I think, yeah, that would be it. Just don't get there.
0: Nice. And out of interest, what do your parents make of your career now?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're super supportive. They are. There's a video, that Adobe video has got a... Um, a little cameo from my parents at the end they they came to the video profiled a project that my partner and i worked on together she did a phd in the microbiome of the gut and part of her phd was to run a grant project collaborating with an artist and it was and she chose me and we made this giant mural together and it was cool and we had an exhibition and my parents came to the uh, came on one of the days um to the exhibition and, and they're there and they're showing their kind of pride and, and happiness with me having made this piece so I think they're very yeah happy and proud they still don't really understand what you know being immigrant parents that they, their whole ethos around life was to just build a better life than they had before you know and, and to work really hard and stuff um, so there's still that balance between the two but they're
0: super proud. Nice. And you mentioned, you know, uh, perhaps slightly with your tongue in your cheek about, you know, if you had lists of goals, like at the top would be getting patients. Yeah. <laughs> but are you someone who like has goals? I don't know, maybe a certain type of work you want to do or clients that you want to work for? Is, is, is that the sort of, is that behind you?
1: I definitely have projects I would like to work on, but I'm not... Beholden to them you know i'm not like super if i'd never get them i wouldn't it's not something that i'd be very upset about or down about but they are on the back of my mind i i did actually a couple of days ago decide to put two bits of information on a whiteboard in front of my desk and you know one of them was a dream clients list and the other one was a what I want to achieve this year in terms of output, just you know, outside of my regular kind of making of work, what other projects would I like to achieve? And then I do have a Dreams Clients list. So if you'd like I could read them to you.
0: <laughs> Put them out there in the world.
1: Yeah. The first list is Muragaya products and unique projects for 2021. One of them is getting my sculpture Muru made. He's this character I developed last year and I'm going to get this thing made into a sculpture so I can sit him on my desk. I don't even know if I want to sell him or not. I just want him for me. Um, I want to do another print release, like a personal print release. And every time I do a print release, I think I'm going to limit it to one a year. But every time I do one, I'd like to add something that I hadn't done before. I may scale that up as I go, but I'm just kind of trying to keep things manageable. So the other one is create a denim embroidered jacket with a collaborator. I found a collaborator online who embroiders these really cool designs on the back of denim jackets. And I was like, "Oh, what would one done by me look like? So I was like, we've been in contact with one another and, and um, we're going to see if we can make one. Maybe I can incorporate some of that Shusiko stitching into the design. Who knows? Um, work oh. on a rug design. And then the final one on that list is to illustrate over some bowling pins that I'm upcycling. <laughs> <laughs> these bowling pins have been turned into candle stick holders and um, they've been sitting in the house for, in the flat for such a long time and, and they're not my partner's favourite items that are in the house. So I thought, why not add my bright colours and, and fun design aesthetics to these bowling pins? So that was another one. <laughs> um, In terms of client lists, it would be uh, Nike, obviously, signature shoe for Nike, produce a coffee table book, which is a very long dream, a classic one, which is cover of The New Yorker. I think every artist and illustrator would like that on on their list. And then a really big dream one would be a one-sheet film poster for a general release. The poster that gets circulated across the globe for that particular film. Mm. Um, and finally, large-scale public projects. I want to take this work, you know, on the sides of buildings and uh, you know, big sculptures and things like that. It's the, the the dream. as you can tell, the dream client list is is much bigger and wider and like far far from what I'm currently capable of. I think, but it's it's there for a reason. It's called a dream list for a reason, I guess. Oh, I love it.
0: I love when it's in front of you as well. (laughs) Oh, man, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. There's links through to all of our guests who I speak to. Uh, You go there, you'll find a transcription, show notes, pictures, links through to them so that you can find them online so please do the same Muragai's work is, is so colourful it will really cheer up your day if nothing else so go check that out there's a link at beingfreelance.com and uh, don't forget to come join the community you're not alone being freelance join freelancers from around the world there's a link at beingfreelance.com and if you're into freelancing but you're also a parent you might well want to check out the other podcast I do as well which is called Doing It For The Kids uh, go search for that since you've got your podcast app out but for now uh, Muragai. So good to talk to you, and all the best being freelance.
1: Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.